Welcome, everyone. Welcome back to church this morning. Our e-kids will continue their learning upstairs. Uh, so, yeah, please follow your leaders and, and head up and continue worship and learning uh, from the Word of God. Uh, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Emmanuel this morning. It's good to see all of you here. It's the second week of this new year. And uh, since last week, we have begun a new four-part series called A Renewed Purpose, Living Out the All-Encompassing Great Commission. Living Out the All-Encompassing Great Commission. Now, we're studying a very familiar passage for many of us who are Christians. We're studying a passage called the Great Commission, and that's found in the Gospel according to Matthew. In fact, it's also found in other passages, uh, but we're focusing on the way that Matthew records this Great Commission in chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. Now, Jesus, having now conquered death and conquered sin through his resurrection, as I introduced last week, He's gathered his disciples, his closest ones, to send them or to commission them to do something that will change history. And so let's, together as a church, let's read this passage together again, from, uh, starting from verse 16 to verse 20. Let's read. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we come before you again, and we acknowledge your presence with us. And we want to, want to first thank you for being a holy God and a God of love, that you would extend this great commission to us through your, the apostles, uh, through your disciples. And today we want to know you more through your word. So we ask that the Holy Spirit will grant each of us wisdom, a softened heart to receive your word and to respond according to your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, last week, I introduced uh, this series and, and said that we will be dividing this Great Commission into its four alls to help us um, meditate and to think through this renewed purpose. Now, last week, we looked at the first one, uh, the first one being, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. And so last week we looked at how God the Father has now given authority over everything. And I mean everything to Jesus. The scope of his authority is all encompassing. It is over all flesh. It is over all creation. And the purpose of his authority is to grant eternal life, which is the invitation for all people 
to be reconciled with God the Father, to fully know God, to fully know Him. Yes, to fully know Him, just as He fully knows us. And through Jesus, God rescues us from the kingdom of darkness, He says, and transfers us into the kingdom of the Son, where Jesus is now King, where Jesus is now the authority of this new everlasting kingdom. And it is under his authority that Jesus commissions his 11 disciples here in the passage to kickstart a world-changing mission, this world-changing movement. Today, we'll be looking at the second all in this great commission, it says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Now I want to go through this by answering two questions, primarily these two questions. Uh, can we go to the next slide, please? The first question is, how should we understand all nations? How should we understand all nations when we are called to go to all nations? And secondly, how should we respond to the command to go and make disciples? How should we, believers of Jesus, respond to the command to go and make disciples? Now, what does Jesus mean by all nations? Now, this word in, in Greek uh, is ethnos. Ethnos. Now, it should sound familiar to you if you know the word ethnicity in English. Now, for many of us, when we think of the word nations, we nowadays tend to think of nation states, you know, where, where there are these clean borders drawn on the world map and where each nation state is distinguished uh, primarily by their geography, where they are physically, and by their, the, the flag, the design of the flag. Um, that's at least how, you know, little children learn about nation states in school. But is this what Jesus meant when he says ethnos, all nations? Is he just telling his disciples to go to another country? We'll hear the word um, ethnos, and which gives us the English word ethnicity. The word ethnicity refers to a large group of people with a shared culture a shared language, a shared history, and a shared set of traditions, etc. And so the Greek word ethnos in the Bible is sometimes translated as a people or as the Gentiles. Now, Gentiles is a word referring to all the people groups outside of the nation of Israel. Those are the Gentiles. And so it seems Jesus' commission to go and make disciples of all nations has little or less of an emphasis on crossing political borders, but really having an emphasis on reaching people groups that are distinct from that of the 11 disciples of which Jesus is giving this commission to. Now this command to go to all ethnos, all nations, is actually rooted in the Old Testament. 
And so, first of all, we want to understand, and I want us to, to, to think about this together, is that the Great Commission to reach all nations is, in fact, rooted in the Old Testament. When we refer back to the first book of the Bible, Genesis, and we read from chapters 1 and 2, we see that God created everything out of nothing and it placed humankind in the garden to rule over all creation in partnership with God. To rule over everything in partnership with God. But then from chapters 3 to 11, we read about how instead of following um, what God has intended for us, humankind rebelled against his will. Instead of declaring, to God be all glory, man began to say, let us make a name for ourselves. In chapter 12, in chapter 12, there's a twist. God called a man named Abram and made a covenant with him. Here in chapter 12, starting from verse 1, God says, telling Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing, and I will bless you, and I'll bless those who you bless. Sorry, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all families of the earth shall be blessed." And so here, when, when God spoke to Abram and declared this covenant with him, we see that God's covenant with Abram was, was for him, actually, and his pending great nation to be a blessing to all people of this world. Many years later, when God let them out of slavery, when they become a, a people group, and God let them out of slavery in Egypt, God told them this through Moses. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. You shall be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. This means, means that the nation of Israel is to be set apart from all the, the, the uh, rest of the world to be both God's representative to all people in this world and to be the channel of which all people will come to know God. And then we, when we read the books of the prophets, we find that no less than 25 chapters of their prophecies were actually addressed to the Gentile nations. Did you know that? There are many, many verses dedicated to the foreign nations in those 25 chapters. In fact, more verses in those 25 chapters in the Old Testament uh, in the main uh, major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel, that are actually found in all of Paul's letter in the New Testament. Now, I make this point to show that the command to go to all ethnos, to all nations, is firmly rooted in the Old Testament. God began this way before Jesus had arrived. And this is to say that God was never withholding his blessings from a dying world. Instead, God's desire and intent all along was to bring all people to himself through his partnership with a group of human agents. 
that the Bible calls a covenant people, a people who has a covenant with God. And so while in the Old Testament, um, these people agents or human agents, this kingdom of priests were called the nation of Israel. Now through Jesus and the Holy Spirit, God brought forth a new covenant people called the church. A new covenant people called the church. And so the Great Commission is now given to the church. Who's the church? I hope you identify with the church. The church is a new covenant community made new in Christ, but rooted in the ancient call from God to bring His blessings to all of creation, all of humanity. And the church is the fulfillment of God's promise to the Old Testament prophets that He would make a new and better covenant with His people and write His law on their hearts from Jeremiah chapter 31. And so therefore the church is described in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 to 10 as this. Uh, why don't you read this with me? But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Amen. And since then, since the first disciples of Jesus brought the good news of Jesus to all corners of the known world, beginning from the land of Judea and Samaria, so let's fast forward, okay? We've, we've done a survey of what it looks like for God to call it their people into all nations in the Old Testament. And now uh, with Jesus and the Holy Spirit inaugurating the church in the New Testament, let's fast forward to today. Where are we today? If the commission to go and bring God's good news of redemption and reconciliation to the world is, consist- is a consistent mandate, throughout human history, then who should we, the church now, today in Hong Kong, be reaching with the gospel? Now, who who has heard of the Joshua Project? If you're a missionary, you must have heard of the Joshua Project. But who else? Who else has heard of the Joshua Project? If not, then hopefully today will be the day you hear about it. The Joshua Project is a research initiative seeking to highlight the people groups of the world with the with the fewest followers of Christ, okay, to identify um, and highlight the people groups of this world with the fewest followers of Christ. And those people groups with less than or equal to 5% Christian adherent, so, so pan-Christian, less than 5%, and less than or equal to 2% evangelical Christians, the Joshua Project group, uh, the Joshua Project, identify these groups as unreached people groups. And as of checking their website just yesterday, uh, the project has identified over 7,000, that's the number here, over 7,000 people groups across the world. Sorry, that's 7,000 people groups that are unreached. 
across the world. And these people groups combined make up 42.4% of the world population. In other words, 42.4% of the population in this world have not heard of Jesus. This is approximately 3 billion people worldwide who have yet to know and follow Jesus. And that is over 3 billion people in this world who have yet to know that they are truly loved and known by God. Let's take that in. And now let's take a look at Hong Kong. The same project has identified 24 people groups and 10 are classified as unreached people groups in this city. So what you don't see here, it's been cut off. So the 10 people groups, I'm going to read it out for us. They are the Hui, the Hui clan, Huizhu in China, the Hakas, Japanese, French Jewish, Malay, Nepali, Persian, Sinhalese, South Asian, and Thai. Those are the 10 people groups that Joshua Project has identified as unreached people groups in this city. Now, I'm sure those in, in Joshua Project try their very best uh, to compile these uh, data together, but I can tell it is limited in scope, um, especially when I don't see uh, the African or the Eastern European uh, diaspora represented in the list of these groups. But here we can see that out of 7.4 million people in this city, only 13% identify themselves as Christian, and only 6% are evangelical Christians. Now looking at these numbers perhaps gives us a glimpse of the scope of the ongoing work of the Great Commission around the world and in our city. So as part of the universal church and the local church in Hong Kong, then the question is, what are we called to do, knowing this fact, these data? How should we respond at large? How should we respond to the command to go and make disciples. Today, Jesus continues to call you and I, every follower of Jesus, the whole universal church, to continue the task that he commissioned to his first disciples to go and make disciples of all nations. There are two verbs in this sentence. and They, they are go and there is make disciples. Now, some of you may have gone uh, to a missions conference or have heard very charismatic preachers and pastors preach about this verse, and they would emphasize the verse go, that one must cross cultural borders in order to be obedient to the Great Commission. And I'm thankful that many of us have responded to that call, going and crossing cultural borders to make sure that people who have not heard of Jesus can have a chance of hearing it. But on the other hand, some Bible scholars on, would say because the verb for make disciples is, they say, the imperative verb, which means it's the commanding verb uh, in, in the original Greek. 
And the verb go is a participle or a subordinate or a lesser verb, less important verb. Therefore, the emphasis should be placed in making disciples alone. As long as the church is engaged in making disciples within its confines, we are obeying the Great Commission. Which one do you think is what Jesus meant with his Great Commission? Well, today I, I want to make the case that, that both actions are important for the church if we are serious about obeying the Great Commission. That both go and making disciples are important. The first point I want to make uh, under this, this question of how we should respond is that it is not, the Great Commission is not going without making disciples. This is the easier point uh, of, of, of the three that I'll make today. For the first disciples of Jesus, it, it takes days and months to travel to the next city or to cross provincial borders. But today in Hong Kong, traveling has become so convenient, right? It is almost, almost for, for most of us, inconceivable to even not go somewhere else on holiday. It's like, what? You're staying in Hong Kong? Many of us are very well-traveled. Now, if the Great Commission were simply for us to go to all nations while identified as a Christian, then perhaps many of us would be fulfilling the Great Commission with flying colors. Compared to the rest of the world, we are likely the top 1% of the most obedient Christians, if, if that's the case. Traveling across more national borders and covering um, the most mileage than most people in this world today. But I think it is obvious that simply, simply going to, place, to places without any thought of making disciples for Jesus is not really the action that fulfills the Great Commission. While traveling for leisure is an obvious example, I want us to also think about Perhaps it's the same if we were to go from one job to another. Perhaps it is the same if we go from one apartment to another when we move home. Perhaps it's the same when we, like, you know, switch ourselves from one relationship to another. If there is little or no consideration of making disciples for Jesus, this, this going makes a little effort in fulfilling the Great Commission. Now, recently, because of the holiday season, many longtime uh, Christian friends of mine who live abroad are coming back to Hong Kong and visiting their families and friends, and that gives us an opportunity to meet up and to gather and have meals together. For my peers uh, in my age group, I, you know, one topic of conversation is guaranteed to surface among us, and that is the topic of emigration. Almost every gathering I go to, this is definitely going to uh, pop up, which is, are you leaving Hong Kong? Have you thought about leaving Hong Kong? Um, have you already left Hong Kong? Uh, and, find, and trying to find another country or city to call home. And almost every one of these old friends who were actively considering emigration uh, uh, that I've talked to this, this, just this past season, you know, placed their focus on at least one of the following factors political climate, living standards, job opportunities, 
and children's education. One of, one of them would be the factors that they would share about and consider about. Now, I don't know for, 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 for you guys, I didn't ask any of you guys, you know, whether it's similar for you guys in terms of your conversations with your peers. But then for us this morning, I, I want to challenge us to think, how often do we think about bringing the gospel of Jesus to unreached people or building up believers to maturity when we go on a plane, when we think about our holiday traveling plans or where we choose to be our next home, or when we go on job posting sites? Is that what you think about? Or when we, when we check out schools for our kids or apartment listings? This morning, I hope if you're a genuine follower of Christ, you'd be challenged to, to let your going be guided by this renewed purpose that we're talking about this month, that Jesus has called us to. I want to challenge us to let our going be centered on Christ's will and desire to bless the world to bless the world through the church, through you, through me, to bring the good news of Jesus to people who are not yet part of his kingdom. Let that be your consideration as you think about going to places. Now, on the one hand, we may be in the pitfall of going without making disciples. You could probably think of my second point now, on the other hand, if we misread the verse, we may be content with just making disciples without going. And today I want to make the point that the Great Commission is not only making disciples without going. But what I mean is that instead of putting conscious effort and action and reaching out and going to people who have yet to hear the gospel, we as a church just sit back sit back, we'll wait for people to come. Open our doors, we'll wait for them to come. Come if you want and hear the gospel. And come if you want to be saved. Sounds chill, right? But is it fulfilling the Great Commission? Well, I think not. Now, the Apostle Paul writes this, um, writes these questions to believers in Rome. In Romans chapter 10, verse 14, he asks, How then will they call to him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Brothers and sisters, sharing the good news of Jesus and leading people to believe and to call on the name of Jesus um, Jesus as Lord is, is never a passive endeavor, not at least from our end. We have an example in Jesus. He, he came to earth to reveal the Father and his will to us. When we were still sinners, he offered himself as a sacrifice for our punishment. And one day, he will return. He himself will return to bring the new Jerusalem to earth. And so like Jesus' ministry, our call is to go, go out and engage with the people who have yet to hear the gospel. 
who have yet tasted and seen the goodness of God, who have yet to repent of their sins and come to know their identity as adopted sons, adopted and beloved children of God. Now, a church that fails to be proactive, to go, uh, go forth with its mission, what could happen? Well, it could lose sight of its purpose altogether. Why are we here? This church could become complacent with sin, both within and without, because we don't regard having good testimony in this crooked world as being important anymore. We might say, oh, let's not comment about the world. Let's not care about what is going on outside of our community. Let's not really care about each other's lives. Let's not care about the growth of the church. Let's adopt the philosophy of we do we and they do they. This church, the church that is complacent with not going, could see its next generation become lost and purposeless. This church could find itself confusing sheep swapping with growth. What is sheep swapping? It's when believers are moving among churches. Sometimes church numbers will grow, but it's only because the church next door has closed down. Instead of real growth, they're just sheep swapping. But true church growth happens when people repent and become disciples of Jesus and are transferred, not from a church to another church, but transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of the sun. That's true church growth. And so the call to go, the, church, uh, the call to go to all nations and the call to make disciples in all nations need to go hand in hand in the Great Commission, in our understanding of the Great Commission. The whole church works to fulfill the Great Commission. Again, when the first disciples received this instruction from Jesus, they went from city to city, town to town, to proclaim the good news of Jesus. The Holy Spirit even gave them the ability to speak in tongues, speaking in foreign languages, to reach different people groups within major cities. And soon the gospel spread like wildfire across the land, while the first disciples and apostles may not have personally gone to every corner of the world, the Holy Spirit led them to proclaim the truth to various strategic individuals so that the news could go even further. So one example of this is found in Acts 8, when Philip, the evangelist, shared the gospel with an Ethiopian eunuch. And from there, the gospel went into um, further corners of all nations. And we also see in the Bible that even though the Great Commission calls for disciples to go to all nations, not all new believers become cross-cultural evangelists or missionaries. Right? I think many of us here can identify with that. For example, some mature believers were called to be elders or deacons to remain in their local church to care for the church of God and administer local ministries within their own local context. And so for us to understand how we are to respond as a church today, while the Great Commission gives the church a united purpose, not everyone will have the same role 
to be performing the same task. Paul illustrates for us in 1 Corinthians verse 12, the picture of a church being a human body, right? For just as the body is one, the body of Christ is one and has many members. And all the members of the body, though many, are one body. So it is with Christ. Each member of the body of this church and the church at large have different functions. And just as the eye cannot say, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need for you, nor again the head to the feet to say, I have no need for you. You need each other in order to form a healthy body. We cannot diminish the roles and functions that each member of the church bring into the common purpose of going to all nations and making disciples of Jesus. And so this is, this is my interpretation now and my extension of Paul's illustration. If we, the church, are the body of Christ and each of us is a different member of the body, maybe some is the hand, some is the head, some is the nose, some is the eye. I'm probably a, no, tail, uh, a toenail. Help people from being studded. Um, the Great Commission is like part an important part of our DNA, an important part of our DNA, which is the strand of amino acids that contains the instructions needed for all members of the body to grow and reproduce. Now, although we are gifted in many different ways to perform different tasks and functions in the church, we are given the same mission the same mission to actively make disciples among all people groups of this world. So that is how God has called us to bless the world. Now, the trouble of making a sermon to a group is that I can't point out to everyone what you should do you know, to be in partnership with this great commission. In fact, uh, from last week's uh, sermon and last week's response, I I've learned that many of us are actually actively thinking and praying for God's direction in your life. And I think that's a good question to ask. What is God's will for my life? Again, united in Christ, each member of this church is called to support the effort to cross cultural lines and to reach diverse people groups, to preach to them the good news of Jesus and to nurture them to mature in their faith. Now, my hope for Emmanuel Church this year is that as a local church body in Hong Kong, we will be a community that goes all over um, the world with our jobs, with our living, with our rests and leisure, with the purpose of making disciples for Christ in mind and in action. I hope that this year we will not become so complacent with our status quo, with where we are now, that we lack the motivation to respond to the commands of Jesus, to go into diverse places, and to be among diverse people groups where the gospel needs to be preached. That's my hope for us this year. But what are you thinking? What are you thinking? 
when it comes to listening and responding to this great commission. In our reflection time this, this morning, I, I want to invite us to think of two, um, two topics, uh, two things to think about. The first is that I want to invite you to first think about the different people groups in Hong Kong, the groups that you know. Which people group comes most prominently in your mind as needing the gospel and having uh, disciples made? Perhaps you can think about the people groups that our church has been reaching out already. Or you can think about the people groups that are dear to your mind, but the church is not yet reaching with collective effort. But who are they? I want us to keep those names of those people groups in your minds. Invite the Holy Spirit to show you, perhaps, if you're unsure. Each of us are called to be a part of this great commission. So there will be someone, there will be a people group in your mind that God will call you to serve, to make disciples. But the question is, do you want to respond to God? Are you intentional and mindful of what he wants to reveal to you? Take a minute to think about that. If you are able to think of someone, then second, I want to invite you to think about the missionaries and their ministries that this church currently supports. Bong and Kara, they serve a people group called the Shan people in northern Thailand in a place called Tut Thai. Joni is a missionary in Manchester serving um, the Muslim and Arabic, um, Arabic uh, diaspora um, in the UK. And Stephanie is serving uh, in Hong Kong, reaching out to children and the marginalized people of the city. Perhaps there are others in our congregation. There are others who are missionaries in our congregation, serving different people groups in this world. They are called to do the work of going and making disciples in a cross-cultural setting. But they shouldn't be doing this alone. We are their supporting church. 
and each of us are called to play a different part in their ministries. And so this time, I want us to think about who do we want to be more intentional in our prayers, in our support, both financially and in other practical means. Who do we want to connect with and care for this year? So that you can respond to the Great Commission as Jesus has intended for you. Father God, we want to submit our thoughts to you. want to ask that your word and the power of your spirit really open the eyes of our hearts to see where you are leading us as a church and where you are leading us as individuals so that we can obey so that we can respond to your call to go and to make disciples of all nations. We're not thinking about the how. We're not thinking about what we need to do. We're just simply opening our hearts today so that we can hear you, Lord. Help us to be honest with our response. Help us to repent of any sins in our hearts. Perhaps these are sins of negligence over the years. Perhaps these are sins of outright rejection of your call in our lives. Perhaps these are just maybe sins of self-centeredness, wanting to do what we want with our own resources without ever considering of the new or renewed purpose that you have given the church, that you have given every believer today. So God, as we commit ourselves with a desire to respond well to your great commission, I pray that you will grant us, you would give us the answer. You would give us clear direction of how you would lead Emmanuel in this church in 2024. For all authority is under your name and it is in your name that we